Hello, this is Pastor Galen from the First Nazarene Church in Chicago, and welcome to our podcast. Hey, before we hear the message today, I simply wanted to say that no matter where you're at, we're glad that you're listening today. We hope this message will inspire you, instruct you, and help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. And if you live in the Chicagoland area, maybe this is the first step for you joining us in person sometime. Or if you want to, you can always check out our online live services every Sunday on our website at firstnaz.cc. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning. Good morning. Welcome to First Nazarene Church. Thank you uh, for being here today. We are glad that you uh, have joined us for church. Uh, Whether you are here every single week or maybe even today uh, is your first time with us or you're new here only a couple weeks, just want to say thank you uh, for being a part of this church. Uh, Personally, I recognize how big of a step it is sometimes to walk into a place uh, where you've never been before and you don't know what's going to happen. So I simply want to say thank you. And I hope in in this church you encounter a loving community uh, and ultimately that we would point you to the Jesus the God who made you uh, and who believe has a purpose and a calling for your life and you can find your identity in him. So thank you uh, for joining us. Before I jump into the message uh, today, first of all, I want to say thank you uh, to you as the church. Uh, we had been talking about it for a few weeks, uh, officially concluding this morning, but yesterday we had our 24 hours of prayer where you all signed up, 96 of you, to take a 15-minute time slot um, to pray. Uh, as Phil mentioned earlier, um, for, uh, for your family, for our church, for our community, for our country. Thank you uh, for being a church who prays. In fact, some of you sent in the photos of you praying either your spot or your, yourself, a selfie, which was fun, uh, or your Bible. And so thank you for being a church uh, who joined us. And special shout out to those of you who were sleepy today because you got up at 2 a.m. and 3 a.m. and 4 a.m. to pray. Uh, yesterday it was neat just to go throughout my day and a ding, oh, there's another picture. Somebody's praying. Ding. Oh, somebody's praying all day long. And church, I, I know that you didn't get the dings on your phone, uh, but I want you to know that you have been prayed for. And I, I would say this. Oftentimes we don't see people praying or we don't see immediate results, but yet I believe what God is doing in this church is the fruit of a praying people, uh, that we would see people far from God find new life and hope and freedom, and we see those results together and see the fruit as a church. So thank you for being a people who pray. Uh, Today, our message is entitled, Thankful. And as we begin, I simply want to ask you a question. Can you see this here? See this here? I don't know how well you can see it. Um, When you look at this glass, if you will, how many of you would say, and I want you to raise your hand, this glass is half full? This glass is half full. Half full, people. You're my people. You're fun. You're optimists. We need you in the world. That's right. Uh, Raise your hand if you'd say this glass is half empty. Yes. Yes. A couple bold people. Raise your hand if the person next to you would say this glass is half empty. Maybe. Yes. Okay. More honest response there. Thank you. Uh, Actually, in first service, one of the members of the worship team said, I'm not a half full or a half empty kind of person. I'm a realist. The cup's too big. That's what the problem is. It's just the cup's too big for that. You see, I do think naturally, and it's not good or bad, we're wired differently. Naturally, I think some of us are more optimists as we see the world through uh, these beautiful colored lenses of everything is great and we see that things will turn for good and it's okay. 
And naturally, some of us view it maybe a little bit more cynical or critical or a realist of, yeah, I'm not sure that's true, and yeah, but that's still a problem. Either way, and I actually used to have a theory when I was a kid, a sneaking suspicion that your natural disposition would show up when you were 90 years old on your face. Like, either you would be that, you've seen the old person, older person, excuse me, um, who just, they look, they're like, "Mm." they're just happy, they're full of joy. And we've also seen that 90-year-old person who has like resting angry face. Like. And I used to think maybe that, that comes out. I don't know if that's necessarily true. It's not true in every scenario. If you're 90, please don't talk to me after the service. Oh, you can. I love you. But it's not true of you, okay? Um, here's what I would say. Regardless if you're of a half glass full or empty kind of person, there is a discipline, and I would call it a discipline, that as Christians we need to develop the discipline of thankfulness. Now, obviously, this week we will gather for Thanksgiving, hopefully with family and friends, and hopefully it will be a joyful uh, celebration without too much uh, family problems, and we'll have a great time together. And yet, Thanksgiving is really an American holiday, where I would say in the church, though, we have missed the discipline of giving thanks. And not just, oh, I'm thankful for, but no, God, thank you for For every good thing we have, Scripture says, comes from God. And I think we miss this discipline of giving thanks. And today I want to walk us through this passage in John chapter 12, where I actually think practicing thanksgiving and thankfulness, hopefully you'll see, can actually change your heart, changes your perspective on life, and ultimately I would say either fills you with joy and contentment or leads you to having a hard heart against the world, and I hope that we can see that today. Just as we prepare for Thanksgiving this week, some of you, some of you are like, Thanksgiving's literally this week. You haven't even thought about it yet. You are not there yet. Uh, how many of you would say, no, I'm not, I'm not ready. We're not ready, yes. Uh, how many of you are the other kinds of people that your Christmas trees are already up? Yep, yep, some of you. Yeah, you can think about that, that's fine. That's great, we're glad that you're prepared and ready for life. Today, for Thanksgiving, I've, one more thing, and then I promise I'll get started. I became aware this year that everyone needs this at their Thanksgiving table. So in my family, and I've told you this before, we gather, and it's a, it's a large table, and we go around the table and share one thing that we are thankful for. So if you don't have a good Thanksgiving practice, that's actually a pretty good one. Hey, we're going to go around the table, just want everybody to share one thing that you are thankful for. And this year, I, I gained a new appreciation and a new thing to be thankful for. And I am convinced that around every Thanksgiving table needs to be one person from Wisconsin, okay? And I know they're Green Bay fans, and I know they wear cheese on their head, and they're odd, but you need them around your table. We had our Friendsgiving, where our friends came into town, and we celebrated Thanksgiving together, and my one friend from Wisconsin showed up, and he said, hey, I'm bringing cheese. And I was like, I don't feel like that needs to be an announcement. Like, we can go to Meyer and get cheese, but okay. No, he showed up with cheese everywhere. So much cheese. And yes, you see that centerpiece there. That is a dairy relief pill as the centerpiece for that pan. We thought that was great. We learned a new appreciation for giving thanks. If you have your Bibles and you want to go to John 12, I'll be reading from there. You can do that in the First NAS app as well. Today, it's short and simple and sweet. Two weeks ago, I was reading this passage with Thanksgiving in mind. I feel like God taught me something new that I simply want to share with you today. It begins like this. Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man whom he had raised from the dead. 
A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Now, when we read this opening line, it can be very easy to see the who, what, when, and where. Jesus, Lazarus, uh, Mary and Martha are his sisters. They're gathering together to eat. But I need you to know something, even as we read this story, the context of which we find ourselves here. This is John chapter 12, and John 11, right before this. We learn that Lazarus has been sick. And actually, it's not looking good for him. Lazarus, in fact, dies. And his sisters, Mary and Martha, are grieving. They are upset with Jesus. Jesus, you could have healed him. Where were you? Jesus comes, and he doesn't go to the graveside first. He goes to Mary and Martha. I believe he grieves with them. Jesus walks to the graveside, and there we read the verse that Jesus wept. But then that ends with Jesus looking at the grave and saying, Lazarus, come out. And this dead man wrapped in uh, grave clothes walks out alive. Now go straight from that to this dinner. Now imagine sitting around the table, maybe something like your Thanksgiving table, and there's a lot of people sitting around. There's Jesus' disciples, so there's quite a few people there. And then you've got Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And if I'm there and I'm a disciple, first of all, I'm just probably staring at Lazarus the entire time. He was dead like a couple days ago. He's here. Can you picture going around the table sharing, hey, what are you thankful for today? Uh, Jesus, I'm thankful for my family. Oh, Jesus, yes, he's right over there. I'm thankful. Thank you. Thank you for my family. Thank you for the gift. If you're Mary and Martha, Jesus. If you're, if you're Lazarus, I'm just happy to be here today, right? Picture this dinner. And then it, what happens next? It says, then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with fragrance. I think something's lost on us when we read these words. I want you to picture this. Again, Thanksgiving table, people sitting all around, maybe even saying what they're thankful for. Jesus, I'm thankful for my friends and my family. Jesus, I'm thankful for the life that you've given me. Uh, Jesus, I thank you that I don't have to catch fish anymore and I can follow you, whatever it was. And they get around to Mary. Jesus, I'm so thankful that you raised my brother. And it's fine. And then, from beneath the table, she pulls out like foot lotion oil. Mary, Mary what are you what are you doing? She gets up from her seat. She goes over to Jesus. I can picture like Thomas, like, I just want some turkey and some rolls. Like, can we eat? What are you doing, Mary? Mary gets down. She opens up this 12-ounce bottle of expensive perfume. She dumps it on Jesus's feet. First of all, I'll be like, well, okay, we're not eating. What is happening, Mary? She begins to wipe his feet with her hair. Can you picture almost the tension in the room? Mary, why are you doing this? This is odd. This is extra. Mary, what are we doing here? I began to think as I was reading this this week, when we realize what God has done for us, that he would send his son Jesus who would die for our sin and be raised to new life so that we could have new life, that we could literally be changed and transformed from the people that we are into the people that God has created us to be. When you learn that God has given his whole life for you, what's the proper response in thanksgiving? Is it, Jesus, thanks for what you did? Yeah. So Jesus, I'll think about you like once every seven days. I think the only proper response once you learn that Jesus has given his whole life for you 
is to in return give your entire life for him. Jesus, I am so grateful. I can't imagine where I'd be if it wasn't for you. You have saved me from death and now to life, so you have all of my life too. I think that's the picture when Mary is pouring out this perfume, this ointment, and she's wiping his feet. I imagine that she is sobbing. Jesus, my brother is here. Thank you. This gratefulness, this thanksgiving within her heart. But it's interesting because, again, if you picture this tension in the room, Mary, what are you doing? We're supposed to be eating, and now your hair and his feet, ah, and it goes on. It says, but Judas which first of all, that's the best two lines. You know it's not gonna be good eventually. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, that perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Glass half full kind of people are like, but Judas, like she did a really good thing. Glass half empty kind of people are like, I mean, Judas has got a point, right? Mary, why would you dump out such expensive oil, perfume, you could have sold that and given it to the poor. Um, you may not know this about me, but I know next to nothing about women's perfume. And so I tried to this week be like, is there a modern equivalent of what this perfume would have been? I actually uh, looked, it, looked it up and I Googled what is the most selling perfume of 2023. It was Femme et du Parfum. I apologize, I don't speak French. If I just offended you, I'm sorry. Um, one ounce can you picture that? Sells for $75. And this isn't like the most expensive. This was the most sold last year. And so a 12-ounce bottle would be $900, like this. $900. So picture a $1,000 bottle of perfume. If Mary would have walked over with a $1,000 bottle of perfume and dumped it on Jesus' feet, a bunch of us would have been like, that was a lot of money for that. And your hair and his feet, that's odd. It's at a year's worth of wages. A better picture would be, what is your household income? That's how much it cost. This was costly and expensive. Why would you do this? Maybe Judas is justified here. Why would you do this? The poor could eat for how long, Mary? But here's what was interesting. Judas, who's saying something religious and maybe even right, what are his motives? The very next line, he says, it should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor, for he was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. So he, as the disciples would gather money and people are seeing what Jesus is doing in people's lives and they're like, we'll give you our finances. And so he's got the money back and he's distributing, he's in charge of it. Yet he often takes some and puts it in his own pocket. When I read this, I think there's a deep warning here. Judas was deeply religious, if you want to use that term. He spent time with Jesus. He said all the right things, yet he was hiding a secret sin of greed in his heart. I wonder how many of us may also be religious and we spend time with Jesus and we do all the right things and we say all the right things, but is there something hidden, some secret sin in our own heart? What we need is not some facade of religiosity of look at me, I'm religious. What we need is a very personal relationship with Jesus where it's examining the heart. That's what we need. 
as I thought about Judas in this taking money from the disciples, and these are like Jesus and the disciples, right? You know what, honestly, my first thought was, I wonder how hard it was for Judas to hide what he was doing. Like, oh, everything's coming in, and like, ooh, there's a lot of people around. Like, how hard was it for him to hide? Oh, I thought they gave that much money, and how much do we have left again? What effort it must have taken him. And then I thought of us, too. How much effort do we have to give to cover up the things that we shouldn't be doing anyway? Honestly, from my own story, uh, when I started relationship with Jesus and got serious about following him, one of the greatest, best, joy-filled things about following Jesus from the very beginning of my relationship with God was the joy and freedom that I found and not having to hide things from people. That I could just be the same person in the same places all the time. Call that integrity, uh, integral, whole. You don't have to be somebody else in another spot. You can be you no matter where you are. I was dating my now wife, Justine, and I mean, not that I lied to her, but half-truths, you know, little gray line there. And I remember when I started following Jesus, I was like, I don't have to lie to you anymore because I'm not hiding anything. And I would say in our relationship with God, we can approach him in such a way where he already knows everything anyway, and if we approach him with confession, he gives us forgiveness. So there should be no fear in our relationship with God. And then when we start living rightly as we should, following God's ways, then we have nothing to fear with others either. You don't have to hide things anymore. And I also thought of Jesus. Think about this for a second. Did Jesus know that Judas was taking money? I think he did. I think he did. So why would Jesus continue to allow Judas to steal functionally from the church, from the work of what they were doing? Why would Jesus allow that? I thought about that for a minute, and I think where I've landed is this. I think God is incredibly gracious that even in the midst of us doing these secret things that we know we shouldn't be doing, every single instance, God is not punishing us. He's allowing us another opportunity to turn back to him. Every time we have that thought in our head, I should not be doing this. I really shouldn't do this again. I know I shouldn't be doing that. It's the Holy Spirit convicting us and saying, turn back to God. Live rightly. You don't have to do this anymore. I think Jesus probably shared a few glances with Judas where they both knew. I think he gave every opportunity for Judas to turn back and to not choose the path he was on. And yet, when you look at Judas, what started in his heart and his mind, a desire well, I need a little more money. I want something for me. Then worked its way out from his heart into his mouth, where he could say the right thing, but his motives were wrong. And what it starts in our heart, it eventually comes out, not only in our words, but then in our actions. So he is stealing, he's putting money away, and this is the most interesting thing to me. This story that we're reading from John, but if you were to go to Matthew and read this, what immediately follows this, when Judas is saying, oh, don't, no, you're using the money for the wrong thing, the money should be used for the poor, but he really wants it for himself. The very next passage from Matthew reads this way. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the leading priests and asked them, how much will you pay me? to betray Jesus to you. And they gave him 30 pieces of silver, which had been uh, prophesied long before this in the Old Testament that the Messiah would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. And from that time on, Judas began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. When I read that, for Judas, what he's sticking his hand into to grab out of the bag, for us, 
what we dip our toes in, what we do in secret that we think nobody else knows about, eventually will come out into the light. For Judas, I would say what he put his hand in the bag to hold on to, what he wanted, it eventually hold on to him instead, even to the point where he would betray Jesus. And it's easy to be hard on Judas, but how often is the same thing true for us? How many times have we thought, oh, just a little partying, it'll be fun. But over time, turns into alcoholism or drug use or addiction. Or we think, oh, just a little bit of gambling, it'll be fun, and let's see what happens. But over time, maybe turns into an addiction that instead deflates our life. What else is it for us? Maybe a few enticing images. Oh, it's fine, nobody else knows. That turns into an addiction to pornography that undermines our relationship with our spouse. For us, even if you're religious and around Jesus, I think there's a warning, and I would ask you today, what's your, oh, it's just a little bit. Where God has even revealed to you, you know you shouldn't be doing that. And instead of like Judas continuing on down that trail, God is giving us the opportunity to turn back. God, forgive me, I am sorry, I know I shouldn't be living this way. Give me your spirit to help me live in the way you would want me to. What's your little bit? Just a little laziness, just a few lies, little white lies, who cares? Just a little talking about that person behind their back. My pastoral warning for you would be to say, watch out. If you let those things take root in your heart, they will spread like the poison that they really are. Which is why in Ephesians 4 it says, do not give the devil a foothold. Don't let him have any little thing, any little thing, because it will lead to more. In this story, Mary and Judas, both spending time with Jesus, but ending it very different places. I would say the act of thanksgiving from Mary keeps her heart in right priority and right relationship with God. It keeps her soft towards God. It says, God, thank you for what you have done for me. And I think the old phrase is true. I'm not very good at math, but it says this, Jesus plus nothing is still equals everything. Thanksgiving flies in the face of our American culture that says, I need more, I need more, I need a better house, I need a better car, more job, more salary, I need more influence or power or fame, I need more. When we practice Thanksgiving as Christians, it leads to, God, look what you've already given me. Even if we have physically nothing, Jesus, thank you for dying to forgive me of my sin and giving me this new life. I already have everything I need, so I don't need more. The discipline of practicing thanksgiving leads to a light of contentment. Oh, I'm thankful for what I have. I don't need more. And then peace, because I'm not constantly searching and striving and trying to get. Instead, it's God, thank you. And then we experience contentment in our soul. That's Mary on the other side. We see Judas, who asked the question, what's in it for me? How much will you pay me? Those lead to two very different ending points. I would say not practicing Thanksgiving begins the slow freezing of the heart towards a cold indifference and disdain about the world. Ultimately today, hard-heartedness leads to an unsatisfied perspective about life that will rob your joy, where Thanksgiving leads to contentment and a right perspective Everything we have from God that is good is a gift, and that we will lead us to a life of peace. 
Today, I want us to practice this together as a church community. I want to read the words of Psalm 107. It says this. We are instructed, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others that he has redeemed you from your enemies. First it says, give thanks. If you're looking for what's the actual practical, how can the message of Jesus change my life? Every day when you go home this week, before you begin to list off the things you need from God, stop and list five things that you were thankful for. God, today I'm thankful for, and I'm thankful for, and I'm thankful for. Then we even enter into our prayer time realizing God is already taking care of us. And the next day when you start, do your five more, but it can't be the five from the day before. Help, ask God to help you see the new things in your life that you are thankful for. It will change your life over time. Give thanks. And then it says, for he is good. Here's what I love about this. This is not dependent on your circumstance. Oh, give thanks to God because life's really good right now. Give thanks to God because you are blessed right now. No, it's give thanks to God whether your life is great or difficult. Why? For he is good. God is unchanging. He loves you. He is for you. He wants to forgive you. He will give you strength. He will give you joy. It's actually not about our circumstance. In every season, we can give thanks for he is good. His unfailing love endures forever. And then this line, has the Lord redeemed you? Or I would, I would phrase it differently. Has God done anything in your life? Has he done something for you? If so, it says, then speak out. Tell other people. Tell the world. For the world may not see God's good news in the Bible. They may never come to church to hear it from a preacher. But when you share this is what God has done in my life with your family and your friends. They will see Jesus in you. Has God done something in you? Then speak out. As I wondered today, I, I, I knew I could say, hey, go home, practice the five things of thankfulness, let God cultivate this, this attitude of gratefulness in your heart and do all of those things. But then I said, how can we actually practice this? Because if these words are true and they are, then each one of us has a story. Each one of us has something to be thankful for. And so today, I actually want to um, open up a little time where you could share something that you would be thankful for. And maybe if you think of it this way, this phrase, God, today, I thank you for. If you would begin that way, God, today, I thank you for. In just a moment, I'll ask you actually to come down front and share if you're comfortable uh, with the entire church community. Uh, I would ask that we don't form lines behind it. If one person's speaking, they go back and the next uh, can come down front. Uh, obviously, in this environment, I don't know the best graceful way to say this, but we don't necessarily need the whole story, if you understand what I'm saying. Um, but at least what God has been thankful for in a sentence or two. Whether your life has been good or difficult, today you could say, God, I thank you for. Would there be anyone who would want to come and share your story, your testimony of God's goodness today? If so, go ahead and come forward and share. And you're all smiling at me. I'm not going to call on you. Go ahead and come down. I just wanted to say that today I'm really thankful for doctors who have helped me in the long journey of healing as I have dealt with 10 years of medical issues. Yeah. Thanks, Andy. Yeah. I'm thankful for all four of my children. 
um, but especially my two sons that I adopted from Ukraine, who are now adults, and one is in the Navy and one is in the Marine. And without God, we wouldn't have been able to get to where we were with them today. Yeah, man, thanks for sharing. Anybody else want to share today? Um, I'm thankful for the fact that um, I was saved at 40 years old, about 12 years ago, and um, to just experience God's grace in my life and all that he has done and the changes he has made within my heart. Um, I'm thankful to be alive, and um, I'm thankful for everything that he's given me in, in when I've had a lot and when I've had very little. Um, he's always given me peace and joy, um, yeah. despite my circumstances. Hmm. That's good. Thanks for sharing. That's good. I am so thankful for the men and for the women that I am just blessed to spend time with every week. And I'm so thankful to God for that. Um, he is awesome, hmm. and I bless him. Yeah, thank you, Kathy. Thank you. Thank you for serving and leading our Celebrate Recovery in our Timberline Knowles Ministries, Kathy. I am uh, very, very thankful for the staff of this church. Um, we have the most uh, selfless, dedicated, committed staff, not only pastoral staff, but administrative staff who work tirelessly to serve, to serve this church, to serve us, um, and to serve Jesus. Yeah. And. Um, Lastly, why are you laughing? Lastly, um, get ready for it. Buckle up. I am grateful for my smoking hot wife. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that, John. I almost turned it off. Mine's fairly simple. I'm just very grateful that uh, last Super Bowl Sunday, a friend invited me to come to this church, and I came with my wife, and we've been coming ever since, so thank you very much. Love that you're here. Anybody else want to share today? so thankful for my Christian parents and my Christian family and friends that support you and of course the church which is important thank yeah. you thank you I could have crouched that's alright um 
A couple years ago, I went through a very serious illness. I had cancer, and God brought me through that, and he just blessed me with good health ever since. And I'm so thankful for that because yeah. it was, I, I could have been gone. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Steve. I am thankful for my lovely wife, Kathy, who has put up with me for this first year of retirement. In 11 days, I'll have been retired, and we've both been navigating this, and I appreciate your patience. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. That's good. That's good. And today as a church, uh, whether or not you shared or not, I hope that you have something to be thankful for. And I hope that you are encouraged by the testimony and the witness of other people as they express their thanks to God too. Let's pray together. God, today we as your church look to you and we say thank you. God, in our church community here, I'm well aware that there are people in the best parts of their life and people in the lowest moments. And yet together, all of us can say thank you. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, that he would die for our sins and that we may have new life in him. Thank you for the gift that who we once were is not who we are today. Thank you for the gift that our eternal, um, our eternal life, our hope that we have in you is secure. That no matter what happens in this life, we can still have joy and peace because we know you. God, today we say thank you. God, I pray for those that are gathered here today that this week we'll be gathering with families. And these moments oftentimes can be full of tension or disagreement. God, help us to practice gratitude even for the family or friends we do have despite everything else as we head into these gatherings. So that as we do, family and friends might see you in and through us. They would recognize something is different and it's because we've spent time with you and that we might share with others, as that psalm tells us, if we've been redeemed to speak out, that others may know you too. We love you, Jesus. We're thankful for today. Pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us for the First Naz podcast. If you're interested in what your next step in growing your relationship with God might look like, I'd encourage you to visit us at firstnaz.cc engage, or you can download our app from the App Store, First Nazarene Church. And there you can let us know if you've made a decision for Jesus, or you can also find practical resources to help you grow closer to Jesus. I'd also invite you to subscribe to the podcast if you're not already to make sure that you've always got the latest content. And if you want to, feel free to share this on your social accounts. You never know who else might need to hear today's message as well. Well, thanks again for joining us. Have a great day.